What's up, guys? Welcome to the Unlikely Journey, episode two. I'm here with my best friends, Natalie and Jess, and we're gonna kick it off this morning with the topic of rebranding yourselves and managing multiple identities. You know, last time we were touching upon this idea that to really be I don't know if successful is the word, but to really have a healthy understanding of self and managing our own expectations, oftentimes it's critical to be able to flexibly transition from one brand to another brand. And I want to follow up on this topic. You know, both of you guys have done many things and have been able to sustain a high level of success. I like to find out from both of you what it's like to manage that. And I'm not talking about like manage the functional stuff, but like emotionally managing this identity change. Do you guys ever face like imposter syndrome or, you know, when you're not sure about the new role that you're in, how do you get yourself into a higher mental state so that you can activate your your skills and your gifts? Yeah. I mean, the one, the one word that stands out from, from sort of like your question is imposter syndrome, right? And I'm going to be really honest here and say that you know, even when I started my music career, I had imposter syndrome, right? Like there was no one out there who looked like me um, or, you know, had, there was no one for me to necessarily like look up to. Um, and so when I, you know, had the song on the radio and, and, you know, had shows for me, it was like, wow, like, what am I doing here? Like, what am I, you know, am I right? You know? Um, and can I, can I make this last? Um, and so certainly there was that element at play there. And, you know, when I, when I was in the midst of my music career, you know, I would look around and I think I alluded to this in, in the last episode, which is that it, I naively found out that it was not a good look for me to share with people that I went to Stanford because immediately it was like, okay, well, she's an academic, so she's not that creative. Um, and people, not like people said that directly. Um, but it was sort of this indirect um, kind of perception that that sort of was revealed later. Um, and it happened a, a few times over. And so, again, it was like, okay, well, again, there's no one like me. Um, so am I really cut out for this? You know, I don't, I don't party that hard. I don't, you know, I'm not like in the scene. I don't like network like that, like other people do. Um, and so what does that mean for me? And then when I went back to Stanford to get my MBA, it was like, okay, also then sort of the the odd one out. Um, it's like, okay, do I belong here? Am I smart enough for this? Am I proficient enough in my financial understanding and business acumen? You know, and, and even now with Parallel Health, but before I started, one of the things that I really explored in myself was, am I fully cut out to start a biotech company? You know, what I came out to at the end was, you know, I'm going to try. And yes, like I am, you know, I'm going to muster the confidence to do this. Thank you for that. I also think that a great part of potentially overcoming imposter syndrome is our ability to learn really fast, right? I think Jess talked about that in our last episode, to be able to acquire skills on the fly 
and understand that the world is always changing at the speed of light and being able to adapt really fast can really help us overcome what we believe our identity to be at that moment. You guys all know this. You know, we're as good as yesterday. You know, your your last platinum album, that doesn't mean anything if you can't follow up with another platinum album. Your last startup is nothing if you didn't do an exit. So we're always having to think ahead and plan for who we're going to be. And just I'm going to pitch this one to you. You have gone like a 360 from doing some highly creative uh, entrepreneurial stuff on the admin side, and then you went on tour and became this musician. But now you're sort of back to ground zero where you're like kind of building businesses and looking at operations. Tell us about the transition. Tell us about that full circle. Yeah, I mean, I I, I love, um, I, I actually love this topic of imposter syndrome because I, I, I kind of, yeah, I, I relate a lot to what Natalie was saying, like, I think it's interesting when you're, you start off like an artist, I've been performing since I was super young and you know, you're, you're very aware of the image you have to project, right? They, people want to hear one style of music from you or one look and like you embody that one thing. And I think what I've been learning, like just jumping back and forth between creative biz, creative biz. And, and for me, kind of one always goes in hand with, with the other, like it just as like a necessary evil. Like I kind of feel like it's like doing the homework part of the creative. Um, yeah. I, I mean, most people don't know. Like, I think there's this perception on the outside that people actually know what they're doing. And, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but like, you're always, if you're an entrepreneur, you're always doing something for the first time, you know? And you're not like, like, of course there's that feeling. Right. And, and I think what I've been, where I've been gaining a sense of confidence is I'm just like an, I'm an overprepared type human. You know, I, I take online courses, I buy books, um, and I, I get my toe in the water probably further along the line than some of my friends who are a lot more bold than me who are entrepreneurs. And, you know, and I find that I, you know, there's certain skill sets that I have acquired that actually at least put me in a position where I, I can navigate, you know, um, I can navigate the, the, the new environment, um, that I'm in, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it is a lot of going back and forth. Like, you know, this weekend, for example, uh, a, a project came in for DTLA proud, they're doing a documentary and they wanted to have an LGBTQ composer kind of composer, but more like contemporary, uh, pop producer meets composer type situation. And so it's like, you know, I, I still toggle between that creative side, you know, and the business executive side, you know, where I'm, I'm, I'm partnering with, with a producer on that. And we put the, you know, submitted the tracks this morning and we got hired and I'm going to be scoring it next weekend. So it's like, it is interesting to kind of like take that step back and, and I think just straddle between the, the two sides, but I think I'm finally just letting myself have fun with it a bit. And, and yeah, like what you said, like thinking outside of the box comes from being creative and, and like the, the higher up I climb, the more I realize that it, it is confidence. It's like what Natalie said, like, you know, her saying like, you know, she has all this education, but at some point you have to say, I'm, I'm in a position where I can do this. Like I, I have to have the confidence to know that I have a skill set and that I'm going to figure this out. Um, and I feel like that's, that's the fun part. Like where I am in my career right now, it, it's, it's stressful at times, but it's fun because I'm realizing that there's just a bunch of people also kind of bumbling around with, with experience. And we're all trying to lock in, you know, with our blind spots and our experience and, and, and come out on the other end, uh, in a successful place. You know what, Jess, it's so funny because there's an, an analogy that I, that you said like years ago, and I don't remember in what context you said it, but it's always stuck with me. Hmm. where we were talking and maybe we we're talking with someone else and you said, you know, we're all just, we're all still just playing cops and robbers. And that is true. 
It's, you know, and and I think in addition, Steve, to like what you said about adaptability, um, and maybe that was from, you know, Jess as well. It's like, it's adaptability, but it's also being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And if you can harness that and and be calm in that uncomfortability, then there's so many things that you can do. Yeah, I love that. Because at the end of the day, I don't know about you guys, I was never giving an owner's manual to how to be an entrepreneur. I've always had to go out there and have really thick skin, put my best foot forward and get and have that foot get stepped on like many times and then not cry about it, right? So it is going out there, making your failings and, and learning from them. But I think there's also a speed component too. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys, you don't get very many opportunities if you don't recover really fast. You know, as entrepreneurs, we have to overcome so many fears and so many failings over the course of 24 hours. Give our listeners a sampling of like in the course of one day, pick a day out of the week, pick a really, really stressful day. How many decisions do you have to make? How many um, amendments do you have to make to right some wrongs or to keep relationships intact or to keep these contracts going? Um, Let's start with Jess. Give us an idea. (laughs) On some of the more stressful days, like, you know, I think the irony of like, of getting good at something and then climbing the ranks is that then your job is, is literally just unraveling problems. Um, and at the days where I don't have to unravel a ton of problems, um, that's when I can kind of ideate and, and look to the, <laughs> look forward, um, and, and plan kind of on a, from a more calm space. But yeah, it's a lot of, you know, I, people come to me with my team when, when there are issues and there's problems, if it's moving smoothly, usually I'm just kind of CC'd on some emails and seeing things. And, um, it's a lot, yeah, it's a lot of decision-making, but I also think like, you know, if you have a good team under you, you're pulled out of the bird, you're pulled out of some of the details and you can see the bird's eye view. But, um, but yeah, I I think, you know, like at my level, like I'm an SVP with our company, like it is just the bigger, the deals, the more phone calls, the more handholding. I mean, I, I hadn't lost, I had a day a week and a half ago where we were dealing with, you know, three different types of deals over a hundred thousand each. And, you know, they were, they were all at walkaway points at different times during the day. Um, and it was for three different clients and networks and artists and, you know, bands and lawyers and managers. And, and each one was just as important to all those people and just as important to me because I'm in charge of, of facilitating that these deals go through. Um, and, yeah, I mean, just, you know, every once in a while I would just take out my, my little um, – I have this pillow, that meditation pillow. I would just lie on the floor and breathe because I'm alone. You know, it's still the pandemic, so people can't see me lying on the floor in the middle of an office. But, I mean, it's just you have it, you don't have it, you have it, you don't have it. You just have to be able to, like, ride the roller coaster a bit and just, you know, breathe. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever feel like that. Yeah, I feel like that right now, actually. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> what's no. going on with you, Steve? Yeah, what's going on with you? Well, you know, it's a day in the life of Steven, right? So we're a company that services schools, and many of our deals are dependent upon schools opening. So if we kind of look across the country, we have to basically facilitate our deals around how certain jurisdictions are mandating school openings and compliance and all these different things. So very similar to what you said, Jess, it's like at any point in the day, there could be multiple walkaway points. You know, as a co-founder of the company, it's not only about keeping these deals intact, but making sure the morale is high with the company and making sure that all of our employees are feeling appreciated and that we keep them highly motivated to look at the 
the bigger picture and to look a little bit further down the road as well. So it is it is managing expectations and keeping relationships intact, both externally with the customers as well as internally uh, with our employees. So, you know, that's a little bit of what I'm going through. Uh, Natalie, yeah. I have a question for you. I didn't go to business school, but I'm just curious, you know, you graduated from Stanford Business School. How much or if any, was your education touching upon some of these things that we're discussing today? Like actually like managing, I don't know, um, Mm. pivoting, managing failures and all of that. Yeah. Cause I, I know, you know, I have many friends I've graduated from Haas yeah. and, and Stanford and from talking to those guys, it's, it's more like a lot of business theory, math, uh, yeah. business curriculum. Yeah. I think Stanford's a special place. I can't, obviously I, I didn't go to any other business school, so I don't have a direct comparison, but I will say that the one thing that is wonderful about GSB is that there's so much emphasis on the human element of business, you know, sort of this this sort of idea that's sort of pervasive in, in the school is that, yes, like finance, like financial reporting is important, you know, like putting together your board, like having tactical strategies around, you know, growth is like important. All of those things are important, but they can also be learned if you are smart. The thing that's harder to learn because you have to experience it is that human connection. So one of the most um, famous classes is a, is a class called Touchy Feely. And we, we talk about perception of who you are. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's hard to describe. It could take a, a whole other episode to, to talk about it. But really, people essentially give you feedback on how they perceive you, for better or worse. And you learn about yourself as a leader, and you learn how to be vulnerable in the right situations. And you, you know, you know all of that, it, it teaches you how to communicate in an effective way. Um, so that you're holding space for others and you're not crossing the net and, and all of that. Um, the other really, uh, one of my favorite classes is a class called MGE. It's like managing growth and enterprises. Um, but really you talk about failures. You talk about this, the sort of these pivotal moments that happen in a company when if you don't fix this problem, it's going to be the end, right? For the company, you know, something catastrophic happens and you have to like, you know, solve it or you know one of your co-founders leaves and and what do you do how do you have hard conversations i think these are the moments that can make or break your company jess i i know that you mentioned last time that you didn't go to business school but you did go to nyu which is a really hard program to get into what did you study there and how did that education impact your success um that's a good question i mean well first off just to just to weigh in on that what natalie said um I actually was such a, I was like fun being a fly on the wall, Natalie, with you going to school. Like I lived vicariously through you, like in your like Stanford experience, like whatever you would share with me. And, you know, I remember you going through that touchy feely class and, and just like, I mean, just the level of bravery, but also just the self-awareness, like the, like the, what you get to be able to understand how you're perceived and, and realizing that like, you're right, like you can learn numbers, but if you're going to be a leader, you have to deal with people um it's just yeah it just I had so much fun with you there <laughs> and being your friend and getting to hear about it um 
Yeah, I um, yeah, I studied political science and psych. I was a super nerd, um, super super nerd. Actually, when I was home this weekend, my parents actually gave me my degree, and like all these certificates had been sent to the to the house that I'd never seen, like founders awards and things. Like it was just funny because I'd never they shipped them to my parents' house, so I was like, oh, I didn't know I got this 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 this. Um, I was super nerd. I just loved school, and um, yeah, I get, I think it structures your brain differently to have to um write political papers and um and study in a, in that kind of like more of a classic uh liberal arts setting um but yeah I, I super nerdy i did you know 50 page papers on the history of chinese economics and development and you know and then i took my my diploma and handed it to my parents and i went right back to playing clubs in new york and bartending much to their horror um but um yeah i don't know i i what got me through college honestly guys was um i i had study groups i made little flyers up with people, I would look for the smartest person in the room. I mean, I was, I was always really book smart, but you know, I knew what I didn't know. And if I was struggling, I would ask if I could hand out quarter sheets and I would find the smartest people in the room and I would hand out quarter sheets to them. And I'd ask if they wanted to be friends and do a group with me. And and pretty much everyone said yes. And anytime I was struggling in a class, like that's how I, that's how I got the grades. I would, I would say is, is knowing kind of where I was, I, I just completely was lost and not being afraid to find the people who are smarter than me and ask them to help and create a little bit of a community fun vibe around that. So we all did better. What about today? How are you guys learning today? What's your system to acquire knowledge really fast? Yeah, I mean, I, I probably am not as thoughtful about it as I should be. But because there's so much that that needs to happen with the business um, on a day to day. But I do, you know, register for webinars and conferences that I think are really relevant. I read books. I mean, luckily I live with, you know, my husband is an avid reader and so he's constantly giving me books to read. So I'm I'm reading alongside with him. You know, I, I think it's and, and trying to get that depth and breadth is is really hard, but I think it's just continually being open and making time for it. What about you, Jess? What's the fastest path to acquiring knowledge these um, days? I would say being open to it. Um, I listen to audiobooks all the time, morning, noon, night. I'm in music, so when I'm not listening to music for work, which is most of my day, I'm listening to podcasts that, you know, anything I'm interested in, I just, I, I find a podcast, I Google it, I buy books, I take courses or classes. Uh, if, it's, if I think it's something that, you know, it seems to be priced well and, and from someone that maybe I've heard speak on a podcast or I've read some articles on and I think I could learn or I've read their books. Um, but I'm always I'm always taking, you know, just different one off courses. I think at this point in my life and career, like I would love to go to school because I, I love school, but it really is just kind of damage control. You know, like I, I, I hit up against a wall of something that I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little out of my depth in and I just kind of seek out knowledge and people who know it better than me. And yeah, books, podcasts. Uh, classes. What about you, Steve? Um, yeah, I'm a little bit different. You know, my mind is so scattered all the time that it's really, it's actually quite difficult for me to to stay focused and, and streamline. Like at any given point in time, I'm thinking about a hundred different things. So for me, it's, um, believe it or not, I, I do my best learning while I'm driving in the car. Like I'll drive and I will not have a destination to go to uh, and, and intentionally. And I just like drive and for some reason that puts me in a really calm place and and I and in the car I'm able to hone in on like one or two key topics and then I will literally look at potential parking if I can find parking somewhere I'll park 
And then I'll take my journal out and I'll write down my ideas and I'll concretize some thoughts. And then from there, I'll be like, okay, do I want to grab something to eat at the closest restaurant or the closest cafe within walking distance from my parking spot? And then I'll do a little bit more thinking as I'm walking. But most of my learning really just comes from this, um, I don't know, it's almost like an intuitive place. I, I think about an idea and then I research it. So it's almost like the opposite of like picking up a book and then learning from a book. For me, it's like developing an, an in, intuitive notion and then like vetting that out to see if there's a place to go from there. It sounds super weird, right? No, I think that's awesome. I mean, that's I think great. that's really intentional, right? It's like you're not wasting time. Um, you're you're going right for it. So I think that um, that's actually a really interesting strategy. I think one thing I'll add to that in terms of attaining that that depth and breadth is purposefully diving into something that you would never dive into or learning about ideas that are opposite to yours. Sometimes I think that can spark creativity in sort of that tension. I don't know if that makes sense. I love that. I mean, that's, I think, one of the things that I appreciate about many things I appreciate about our friendship and, you know, the fact that we've been regularly meeting is we all approach, we're like-minded in so many ways, but we also have such a different way of getting to, you know, the same place at certain points. And, and it's just been wonderful to be able to get a different perspective and, and, you know, it, you know, when you're confronted with an issue and your own way of thinking, and I mean, even if it's not linear, Jess, you know, I raised this to you before. I think like some point in the future, it would be incredible for the three of us to start a venture together. I think you've actually said, oh, wow, that would be a crazy idea. But I, I do think <laughs> that the three of us, interestingly enough, we work really well together. Like, I mean, how would you describe us, Jess? Um, gosh, I mean, Steve, like you have a way of like cutting through in a very direct manner, like pulling it all together, but being as, as much as you say that you're scattered, you're you don't come across as scattered. You come across as as a very purposeful thinker um, and and someone who can execute. Um, and Natalie's um, you know similar, but you have a, a much you have a, you have a way of like taking it in, listening, and then the way that you sum it up and the the perspectives that you see. It's just it's so well thought out from a from a a different perspective um, that's a little bit more. I don't say bird's eye view, but also the human element. It comes from a different human element um, of who are the players, you know, let's look at it from this perspective and that perspective. It's a little bit more, I would say, yeah, that's it. It's perspective based. Can I add to that, by the way, Natalie, I don't mean to put you on blast here, but I was uh, speaking to a, a VC friend of mine that just closed a huge fund and I was following up. I was like, hey, did you talk to my friend, Natalie? Yada, yada, yada. And you know what his response was? He's like, yeah, I spoke to her. She's really special. And I have to agree with you. There's something about oh, yeah, the way that 100%. Natalie... Yeah, Flash. Yeah. <laughs> you are. I love that. No, it's, it's true. It's true. Like I come across so many entrepreneurs all the time, business people, um, operators. And I think, I think you're right, Jess. There's something about the way that Natalie processes information. She's like, you kind of don't know what the hell she's thinking about. But then when she opens her mouth, you're like, oh, it all makes sense. Yes, yes, she has that. You do, Nellis. You have this like you, you can tell you're listening. You're very good at listening, and and like you just tell the wheels are turning, and then it's not. You're not going to get what comes out of your mouth is usually unexpected in the best way possible. Like it's unexpected in a way that you've managed to pull together all the things that you've 
listen to. And yeah, it's such a, it's always like a unique take on something that would be seemingly obvious, but you were able to pull it all together, you know, again, being on the other side where we're presenting issues to you, like, yeah, it's just, it's a really amazing way to way that you operate. And, and yeah, there's that quietness and then you just, you zing it all together <laughs> in such a nice way. Uh, thanks guys. This is like, <laughs> well, we have to embarrass you every once in a while. So now is your turn, <laughs> Natalie. How would you describe Jess? Jess is like, so when I first met Jess, I was like, man, this girl's smart. And like, but you're like edgy too. And so, and I was telling, I forgot who, maybe it was my husband, but I was like, you know, Jess is like a combination of, I'm not going to take shit from anybody, super smart, really quick witted and like really thoughtful. Um, and like that combination is, is rare, I think. And, and it's been such a wonderful learning for me. Um, because there's so many attributes just that you have that I aspire to, you know, you, um, yeah, like just in terms of connecting with people and, and sharing your ideas. Yeah. I I have to agree. And there's another element about Jess that, that I really am inspired by. She has like sick discipline, like sick discipline. Sometimes I'll be like calling her and I'm like, yo, what you up to? And she's like, oh, well, you know, uh, where, where should I start? At six o'clock, I'm gonna go to like do my F45 workout. At seven, I'm gonna go on, on a hike. At eight, I gotta do these financials. At nine, I gotta meet with these music, these record labels. I gotta, at ten, and it just goes on and on and on. And then I'll check in with her by the end of the day, and I'm like, "So, what's progress?" And she's like, "Yep, all done." I'm like, "What? How? How is she able to do that?" But there, there is something very, um, God, what's the word that I want to use to describe you, Jess? It's like Oh, you're very firm in your affirmations. When you say you're going to do something, you do it. And not only do you do it, but you always seem to learn something from that experience and you bring it back to the table. And that's what, you know, I'm actually really looking forward to uh, soaking up all of your financial literacy information that you got from the Tony Robbins seminar. So, oh, yeah. yeah I'm going to say that. Oh, thank you, guys. Yeah. With that being said, guys, we are out of time. Um, so, for next week, We're going to talk a little bit more about building wealth. Signing off today, this is Stephen Kwong with Natalise and Jess Furman. This is The Unlikely Journey, Episode 2. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.